are Locked On Eagles, your daily Philadelphia Eagles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Locked on Eagles podcast. It's your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Eagles, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Louis DiBiase, Gino Camilleri joining you on episode four this week of five. Download it into your phone when you subscribe to Locked on Eagles on any podcast platform and then we're always talking birds after the show as well hit us up at lockdown birds at dbrce loe and at gc24 underscore football also for a network-wide little programming update here our lockdown nfl mock draft will be coming up soon within the next week or two so be on the lookout for that on wherever you listen to your podcast locked on nfl draft me and gino i think we're pretty happy with our pick at number 12 right man yeah, I think this year and last year we hit it right on the head. But two hey, years ago too, we had DK Metcalf. Yeah, I know. I, <laughs> I think if we were the general managers of this team, we it, would it have would a, be going a little. We'd still have a job, man. That's for sure. Yeah, we had a good uh, back and forth going with our mock draft, and I'm honestly shocked that you you edged me out. But I mean. I hit him with the corner and the wide receiver. You just yeah, had yeah. the back-to-back. And then another back-to-back. I mean, you had the double dip on me, man. You, you beat me. I wanted to try something completely new that I saw. I was jealous the Denver Broncos did last year with KJ Hamler and Jerry Judy. Smart way to go Eagles, about it. Yeah, and the Eagles did in 2017 with Sidney Jones and Rasul Douglas. That didn't really work out. But thought did it'd you be fun see to my tweet, of, by the way, that Rasul still is a free yeah, agent? He's still, I'm just saying, man, he fits more in a, a Jonathan Gannon uh, cover two defense. Just saying. He does. I mean, that, he didn't have a hive is coming year back for Carolina last year. That wouldn't be the worst signing in the world. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, real quick, with the network wide mock draft, who did we end up taking last year? Do you remember? I know we took Metcalf in 2019. Where did they even pick? Last oh, year? we took Brandon Ayuk. Oh, we did. Yeah, yeah I mean, hey. that would have worked. Man, we should. We'd have Metcalf and Ayuk as our receivers right now instead of Rager and Fulgham. We're talking about having to replace a big-bodied wide receiver now, and now we don't have Alshon Jeffrey, and J.J. is what J.J. is right now, and a lot of the guys that we have are under six foot tall. So, hey, maybe your strategy isn't drafting a guy like Devonta Smith, and it's waiting to grab a guy like Rashad Bateman, or if you want to wait a few rounds, a guy like Austin Watkins out of UAB. There's Mm -hmm. so many ways they can go about it now. And the thing is, we are in the complete opposite realm of where we were last offseason when we were talking about we need speed, we need speed, we need speed. I think we just need guys that can run routes. I was going to say, we've got four, three guys with Rager, four, four guys, Quez Watkins, John Hightower. That's not the issue now. It's, yeah, now it's completely different. It's finding your Rashad Bateman or your Terrace Marshall Jr. Did you see him running routes today in his pro day? Yeah, dude, he looked sharp. And um, I'm not going to make that mistake again when it comes to just all all around good player. He looked real crisp. Yeah, and Gino, I'm glad you brought that up that we're talking receiver and corners here because in segment two, what I want to get into is if it's between receiver and corner at 12th overall, like let's say you have the option of a Devontae Smith and a J.C. Horn. Maybe Smith is a better prospect than Horn. Maybe you like him more up front, but would you be better off going corner in round one because you have a better chance of getting a good receiver in round two, or would it be vice versa? That's going to come up on this edition of Lockdown Eagles in segment two. 
We're also going to talk about 40 times in the pro days because me and Gino are kind of uh, calling BS on those. So we'll get into that in segment three. But before we get into those topics on this Thursday edition of the show, Gino, a fun uh, rule change that the NFL is seriously considering apparently that I think is a lot of fun that kind of gives you a college football element. Not the college football rule I want to go into place here. I would love college football overtime rules, but this is a nice, uh, you know, second option. The Kansas city chiefs proposed allowing running backs, receivers, tight ends, fullbacks, linebackers, and defensive backs, the ability to wear single digit uniforms. And I think that is a ton of fun. Like if you can get me Derek Henry back in number two, or, you know, for the Eagles, Jalen Rager, number one, I think that's fun. Yeah, it would have been pretty cool to see Deshaun Jackson wear number oh, one, to dude. be honest with he you. He would look faster, man, and I don't think that's possible. But it, it 100%. If people don't believe in, in number analytics, like it is a real Oh, my thing. God. I thought Chase like, Claypool was... why Nate way- Geary was as bad as he was. Yeah, because he wore number 47. football number on the face <laughs> of the planet, without yeah. a doubt. 47 is terrible. And Gino, honestly, I thought Chase Claypool was way less athletic at Notre Dame because I thought he wore a number that made him look bigger. 11 kind of slimmed him down in Pittsburgh. I'm like, that's the same. I'm serious. Numbers make players look different. Josh Sweat is another one of those guys where, you know, a bigger, fatter 70 number sometimes makes you look bigger than a slimmer, you know, single digit number or like number 11 makes you look thin. Yeah, and even wearing those single-digit numbers makes you look even bigger if you yeah. uh, look at Oregon, whose pro day is tomorrow. And next year, Kavan Thibodeau will probably be a top-five pick. He is one of our defensive linemen. He's an edge rusher. He was arguably the number one prospect coming out of high school. He wears number five, and he's just an athletic specimen. And his his wingspan is so long, and wearing number five just makes him look that much longer and that much more athletic. And I would love that rule change. Like, let's get more creative. The NFL is just putting themselves in a box with this no-two-helmet rule, yep. with this— not allowing teams to wear multiple jerseys. If they did the retro thing that the NHL is doing right now, mm-hmm. Lou, they would be killing it. If the Eagles could be selling those jerseys they were wearing in the 80s. Yeah, 100%. And you talk about the overtime rules being stagnant, mm-hmm. um, you know, onside and alternative to the onside oh, and the kick. the Eagles are going to put that 4th and 15 rule into oh, effect yeah. until they get it to pass. Every like, they single year. They have done year. it every single year. Yeah, that and getting Kelly Green jerseys are the Eagles' yep. two big motivations. But it looks like of all these rule changes, Gino, the one that could happen is players being allowed to wear different numbers here. If you're a receiver, you could wear number one. And it's interesting. Like you said, number analytics are real. A player better choose wisely. Like if you're trying to look bigger and you're a pass rusher, you might not want to wear a certain number. Or if you're smaller and you want to look bigger, maybe you don't wear number one. So it's it's fascinating. But at the same time, I think it's a fun change that doesn't really make sense in the first place why there's some why there's stingy rules when it comes to numbers like what's the motivation behind that it's kind of the same thing with the two helmet rule it's like what's the benefit of having this in place yeah this is honestly one of those things that i'm a yankee fan and nearly all of the numbers in the single digits have been retired and i was thinking about that for football like what's going to happen in 30 to 40 years when a team like Pittsburgh, who has so many guys that they've retired their num- their jerseys, they're not going to have jerseys for certain positions. To yeah, what wear. are you going to do? Unretire numbers? Yeah, like their wide receivers, they've been drafting so well there and have for the last two decades. You're, you're going to have no numbers in the teens or no numbers in the 80s like what are you gonna do sorry brian dawkins we have to pull number 20 out of the rafters because uh anthony harris needs to wear number 20 but (laughs) hey they want to make money and i think it's a great way to make money and i think it will fit a niche of a lot of people that 
in in some areas of the country, Lou, they don't even care about the NFL. Mm-hmm. And if you could get a guy from Alabama that loved Derrick Derrick Henry in the number two, like you have been saying, you might get him to buy a, a Tennessee Titans number two jersey just because he wants to have that Alabama to where he went into the NFL. And the same thing, like if a, a guy like you said, Jalen Rager could wear number one. I am 100% getting a Jalen Rager number one jersey. Or if they get somebody to wear zero, a defensive lineman to wear zero, Lou, I'm all in on that. Like if you get a guy like Fletcher Cox to change to zero, I think that would be an oh. unbelievable move. Yeah, like let Rashad Bateman wear the number zero he wore coming out Woo! of Minnesota. That would be that would really, be really cool. The NFL having some of these rules, it's kind of like when a parent – they have this like strict policy, but they don't really have a reason for it. I remember all the time. I, I'd, sometimes I'd ask my mom why, and she'd just be like, because I said so. I'm the parent. And that's kind of like the NFL here. There's not really a great reason for some of these rules. So that would be awesome if they could certainly get some of these rule changes in place for 2021 and beyond. Coming up on this edition of Lockdown Eagles, me and Gino, we're going to dive back into wide receiver and corner because I think the top prospects that the majority of listeners – want to fall to 12 there's four guys specifically they're at receiver and corner two positions that Howie Roseman really has not been able to get right this decade and so we're going to get into that coming up next right here on this Thursday edition of Lockdown Eagles and guys today's show is sponsored by rockauto.com one reason to repair and to maintain your car is to save money that you can then use for other important things like the mortgage or food or for me sour beers why would you choose to spend 30 50 100 percent more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or a new car dealer dealership chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers while rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody and they're always reliably low rockauto.com is a family business serving auto part customers online now for 20 years they have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps motor oil and even new carpet whether it's for your classic or daily driver get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door make sure when you go to rockauto.com and see all the parts available for your car or your truck right down locked on l-o-c-k-e-d-o-n in there how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Guys, today's show is also sponsored by Built Bar. We've been telling you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market for a while now. It's the amazing low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all the bars. It's the healthy alternative to your everyday snack. Put down that bag of chips, that chocolate bar, and go with a Built Bar. 18 amazing, unique flavors, 180 calories in every bar, and 19 awesome grams of protein in each bar. Go to BuiltBar.com or follow them on Twitter at bar underscore built to get 15% off your next order when you use our promo code LOCKED15. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, LOCKED15, to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. And check back to see who won today's matchup of Built Bar Madness and who will become the best tasting protein bar. All right, Eagles fans, welcome back into this Thursday edition of your daily Philadelphia Eagles podcast, Locked On Eagles. And guys, after the show, get all your sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski, also of Locked On Packers, updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast, Louis DiBiase, Gino Camilleri, joining you on this edition of the show, episode four or five this week. Gino, let's dive into wide receiver and corner because I think the four players 
Now that the Eagles are not at six anymore, and the dream of Kyle Pitts and Jamar Chase, I think, are pretty much over, especially after they killed their pro days. Um, the four players I think most fans are focusing on now are three Alabama prospects and a South Carolina prospect. It's two wide receivers and Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell. It's Alabama cornerback Patrick Sertan, and it's South Carolina cornerback J.C. Horn. I feel like, would you agree, those are the four consensus guys we want to see in Midnight Green, at least one of them? I would agree with that. I think uh, one of the sneaky guys that I throw in there is Quiddy Pae. I've liked him for about two years now out of Michigan, and I've just been dying to get a Michigan defensive lineman here. And, and we need edge rushers, and we saw what Brandon Graham has done. And we definitely need that position. But when it comes down to it, I believe that you can find guys with a better talent at wide receiver and cornerback at that pick than you were to get right. at edge rusher. And much like we were talking about a couple years ago, drafting Derek Barnett over a guy like Marlon Humphrey, I think we have to take the opposite route this time and look at a guy in the SEC. I think there's two guys in particular at the cornerback position, Sertan and J.C. Horn. And I think a lot of Eagles fans are in on J.C. Horn. I'm in on J.C. Horn. I think Horn was put in a much tougher spot being in that South Carolina defense where he was the guy going up against all of the other guys in the SEC. Oh, yeah. Much like Kyle Pitts, much like Jamar Chase when he was there. He was going against the number ones all the time, no matter where they were, tight end, in the slot, outside. Sertan had the benefit of being in that Alabama defense, which has been great. And there is this knock on Alabama uh, prospects that – They practice hard all the time. They take a lot of reps. Their bodies break down a little easier. J.C. Horn just does everything for me. I I think he is the guy that at 12, if he's to make it past Dallas and the Giants, which if any of them is going to take him, it's going to be Dallas. I think Dallas goes other directions. I think they can address their offensive line. I know they have concerns there. They can uh, address their defensive line. They can address the linebacker position. But when it comes to the Eagles, the talent matches the need for wide receiver and for cornerback. And I think the three Alabama guys you're talking about, Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddle, Patrick Sertan, and the one South Carolina player, J.C. Horn, fit exactly what you want. In my perspective, they're all top 15 guys in this class. Sertan is probably the lowest out of all of them, if I were to say. I agree. The only thing that scares me about Waddle is how we were talking about with Justin Jefferson last year. Would that be a redundant pick? I think Jalen Waddle is a much more redundant pick to what Jalen Rager was last year than if you were going to take a Devonta Smith. My thing here is I think those four players are of equal tier when it comes to their position. Like I think they're all... Like in my overall like positionless rankings, they're all going to be very close together. So I, I certainly myself want one of those receivers. I want Jalen Waddle or Devontae Smith in a vacuum mm-hmm. more than I want J.C. Horn or Patrick Sertan, like just prospect versus prospect. But, Gino, if two are available, and I think it's very unlikely, but let's say hypothetically Mac Jones goes in the top 11 and you yeah, see man. somebody like a Rayshon Slater go or a Quiddy Pie, right? You see a couple linemen go, and I don't think it's likely, but I think it's certainly a possibility. So if you have the definitely option, is. I, I think so, I yeah. heard that Slater is ranked higher than Penny Sewell on some people's mm-hmm. boards. So if that's the case, you might see a team in sure. the top 10 get Rashawn Slater, which is completely possible. We've seen in, it time and time again with that position. And so that kind of brings up the scenario. Okay, if there's multiple, let's say hypothetically, Devontae Smith and J.C. Horn are the two prospects on the board. 
I think I'd rather have Devontae Smith, but you have to consider, let's say we also want to take a receiver or a corner day two. Like, let's say we plan on taking one of each player on day one and day two in either the second or third round. Part of your decision could be maybe we like Devontae Smith a little. Maybe he's like one or two spots higher on our board compared to J.C. Horn, but you might have a better chance of landing an Elijah Moore in the second round as opposed to landing a Greg Newsome or an Asante Samuel Jr. So that's part of this, man, is, yeah, maybe maybe we like Devontae Smith a little bit better than J.C. Horn, but we'd probably rather have J.C. Horn and one of the Moore brothers, Elijah Moore of Ole Miss or Ron Nailmore of Purdue, as opposed to taking Devontae Smith and then risking maybe not getting anybody at corner in the second round and you have to reach for maybe a Tyson Campbell. So that's something you really have to consider. I think that's a great way to look at it, and, and it really is how this is going to play out. Like, where is the draft going? Like, is right. it going offensive heavy? Is it going defensive heavy? Because all of a sudden, if Devonta Smith, you take him at 12, Lou, and then you're like, okay, I'll wait on a guy like Greg Newsom, but that corner run starts mm-hmm. to happen, and a team then a guy like Asante is going to get pushed up the board, and then yep. Yeah. Like you could see Asante going at the end of that first round, Definitely. early day two. You could see a guy like Paulson Adebo, a team falling in, in love with his versatility. Eight picks he in two years, there. for sure, yeah. Eric Stokes and his speed. Greg Newsom, I think, is the surefire, like, most definite guy to be there on day two. Mm-hmm. But if that run comes, you have seen that happen over and over again. Runs happen in the draft. And when teams get needy and they are like, okay, two running backs have gone. We need to move up. If two corners go and Newsom's gone by pick 25, a team might reach for a guy like Asante Samuel Lou. So you might be forced to, not forced, but it might be the right way to go to take J.C. Horn. Because if you're looking at the second round, Lou, I think there is a vast majority of ways you can go. If you fall mm-hmm. in love with the height of Nico Collins and what he's done at Michigan or the size of Amon Ross St. Brown or Diami Brown, for example, yeah. or you want to go with Rondell Moore, like you said, or the other Moore out of Ole Miss, you can go with that smaller size guy that can fill the slot need for you. And I think there are just so many more guys that pile into that second round for wide receiver. Like we've seen in the past few drafts, have the Eagles hit? In those areas, I don't know. I mean, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside wasn't the best. I mean, they haven't done it at corner, though, either, man. Sidney Jones and Rizal Douglas and Avante Maddox, they haven't hit on day two corners either. Yeah, I mean, like, it could happen that they take a guy like Tylen Wallace on on day two, which is a little high for me in round two. But if a guy like Rashad Bateman falls to later round one and you want to hop back in and get that fifth round option on him, I think that could happen if you get a guy like J.C. Horn and you have 11 picks in this class, Lou. Like, to walk out of this class with two first-round picks wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility. To move from 37 to 32 could happen any day of the week. And if they love one of those wide receivers that does fall and they do go the route of corner then wide receiver, that's one of those things that could happen. If a guy like Kadarius Tony is sitting there, Lou, at pick oh. 29, and you can move up eight spots and you give up a what? A four and a seven? Yeah. Are you saying no? Or I could see it being like, you know, you passed on, you were considering Cortland Sutton in 2018, maybe a Terrace Marshall of LSU falls right. in that late first round, and you kind of make that Cortland Sutton type of pick. I do think there's a ton of receivers that could go early, man. Like, we've mentioned a lot of them. Obviously, those top four. 
Jamar Chase. I'm going to put Kyle Pitts in there, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell, Rashad Bateman, and then there's like that next tier. Okay, Terrace Marshall could go, could Terrius Tony. You could talk me into Elijah Moore or Rondale Moore at that bottom of the first round as well. But I think there's more hey, receivers. You could talk me into Dwayne Eskridge sure. in the second round. Yeah, Dwayne day. Eskridge as well. And I but I think there's there's a lot that could go in the first round, but I think there's more that will be available. I think it's a deeper class than at corner where if there is a run on corners, like you said early, it's going to push some guys like Asante up the board. Would I rather have Devontae Smith and Asante Samuel over J.C. Horn and Elijah Moore? Most likely, but I think that second option is more likely of a possibility. So I have to make sure I, I probably have to make sure I get that corner prospect number one. Even though you're not picking like 53 like you did last year in round two, you're picking at 37. I still think there's a better chance of getting a receiver there at 37, or like you said, moving up back into the end of that first round. So it's an interesting discussion. It could go either way, and I'll be okay with either outcome, but I think corner receiver in that order might be the smarter bet based on the way I feel the board will likely fall. I mean, who knows? The board falls differently every year, unpredictably so, but that's kind of my inclination right now. Yeah, and, and that's the thing too, Lou. Like, Not only do you have to address both of those positions, but you also have to address the fact that all the teams around you in your division have very good wide receivers that yep. you need to cover. It's loaded. So, yeah, and it, it should be a priority to you to find somebody that could be your next wide res- or cornerback number one Because in this draft, Lou, it is the third year in a row that wide receiver is so deep. And if you're sitting there and you draft a guy like Austin Watkins on day three, who could be one of the biggest, I'm saying biggest because he's six foot two out of UAB, one of the biggest sleepers in this class. Or my boy Jalen Darden from uh, my boy Jalen Darden from North Texas. Just saying. Yeah, there's tons of guys out there. I mean, at this point, they shouldn't be sleepers to a lot of people. Sure. there are guys in this class like Simi Fajoko out of Stanford. If you need a guy who's six foot four, I know we don't like Pac-12 wide receivers, <laughs> but there are players, Kate Johnson, Des Fitzpatrick. There are guys on day three that will be there, but will they be there late on day three at corner? There are guys with upside for sure. There are guys in the senior bowl that have a ton of upside. If you want to draft a guy like Thomas Graham, who has a ton of snaps out of Oregon, you can go and do that. But you have to assure yourself that you are able to do the best by Jonathan Gannon next year. And the wide receivers, I believe you can make out in day two and day three in this class. Corner, it does get a little light after day one. I think day three is like the bulk of where you're going to find many of the good guys at corner. So if you want to sure for your prospect, take J.C. Horn or Patrick Curtain. Both have played SEC football. Both have gone to up against a lot of these wide receivers which are in this class right now, Lou. So just turn on the tape and see what they did against a guy like Kyle Pitts. See what they did against a guy like Jamar Chase. There's tape out there to watch the best against the best, and that's what you're going to see. Can they translate to the next level? We've been begging to get SEC prospects in Philadelphia, guys that have played top-notch football. I think right now is the time to get one. And at that corner position, Lou, you look at one of the greats in the past couple years in Marlon Humphrey. Mm -hmm. Man, if you hit on a guy out of the SEC, it could be a great career for that kid and it could be a 10-year career look you have seen out of many guys out of that conference that's my thing man like I've been jealous and I did the double dip on that mock draft on Monday like I've been jealous of seeing a team like Denver have 
Corlin Sutton, Jerry Judy, and KJ Hamler, right. or you know now San Fran having Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel. But I've also been jealous of seeing Baltimore have Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters, and Jimmy Smith. You got to have not just one or two receivers, but you also have to have one, two, three really good corners. Now it's a pass heavy league, and that really goes for you know both sides. We're going to continue to get into this discussion in segment three of this Thursday edition of Locked On Eagles. Guys, today's show is sponsored by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, March Madness right now, and the NHL are all in full swing. And BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. When you use our promo code LOCKDOWN, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, for a 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit at BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, Eagles fans, welcome back into this Thursday edition of Locked On Eagles, episode four of five, Louis DiBiase, Gino Camilleri. Gino, we're getting deep into receiver and cornerback on this edition of the show, and uh, we kind of hinted at it in segment one. We've been talking about it a lot on Twitter, as have many people, so there was no NFL scouting combine this year, right? A lot of scouts and front office members, coaches, media members alike, we are diving deep into these pro days that these prospects are having each week. You know, we've been talking to prospects. You talked to Dwayne Eskridge of uh, Western Michigan last week. I talked to Kylan Hill, the running back of Mississippi State. So we're really diving into that process. But Gino, it's kind of interesting. You see all these pro days, right? in these 40 yard dashes. And is it me or are there a lot of four threes being handed out? Yeah, one of the, the good Twitter accounts during this time of year, uh, Draft Diamonds, he said that 12 guys ran over or sub four fours. And I'm telling you, that number is way under. Gino, does that ever happen to the Combine where double-digit people run that fast? I don't remember that happening. I looked uh, last year, there were 12. The year before, there were 13. Hmm. So in the last two years, they've averaged around 12 and a half. And I could tell you, from Kentucky's today, there were three alone from Kentucky that ran sub 4-4. Unbelievable. Like though, Terrace I mean, Marshall the, ran a 4-3 at LSU the other day, and look, I watched the tape, and I like him a lot. That's not 4-3 speed. No, and that's the thing that I'm a big believer in trust by verification, and right. now that you don't have like a central group of measurement, even if you don't believe the combine is like the most surefire way to get it, it is at least standardized. Here, you're seeing guys like I, I love the work that Jim Nagy does, the uh, director of the Senior Bowl. He always puts out the times from – a lot of scouts that he knows but the thing is it could be a different scout every single time I I mean yes you do have the trust in how long they've been doing their profession but at the same time it's not like you're turning on the combine sitting down seeing the clock and seeing the the guys uh bosom for doing their false starts every time it's not one of those things where we're seeing it right in front of our face once we see it we see the video of it and it's from a different angle every single time it's one of those things that this year, I keep saying it, like, if anything, just give me the 10-yard splits, give me the 20-yard splits for a wide receiver, and then give me the GPS time for a lot of the players, because that's what it's going to be. It's going to be the GPS, the uh, Amazon web services, you've probably seen those commercials, mm-hmm. how fast the players actually run on the field, and, and that's the next level of getting to what these guys actually play on the field, because yeah. a 40 it takes 
technique, how to run it. Like it's completely different from catching a pass and getting upfield and turning. And yep, I game speed is very different. Yep, what Jamar Chase does once he's looking over his shoulder, catches the ball in stride, and finishes mm-hmm. the last twenty yards of the field off. And I want to see how fast he's doing that over a forty-yard dash any day of the week. And this year, you're going to see those teams that are they looking at the game tape or are they trusting these egregious 40 times? I mean, I like to believe a guy like Jamar Chase 100% could run that fast. Sure. I think Florida's were the most accurate because Kadarius Tony running a 4-4-1, I think that's probably what he would have ran around at the combine. And mm-hmm. I think he is one of the top guys when it comes to long speed. And that was a pretty standard measurement. But when you're seeing guys run... 429 and I know I talked to Dwayne Eskridge and he said he wanted to run a 429 that's just all world speed and, and I know it's a good ambition to have that but like you would be an Olympic sprinter if you're running four one again man like you said there's just so much to a 40 yard dash your get off time your technique like there's a million right. things that could you know what you every ate single that day. stride is like accounted for when it comes right. to sprinting like when you see Usain Bolt he knows exactly where every foot is going to be he knows where his hand should be when he gets off he knows mm-hmm. where his hands are going to finish when he crosses the finish line. It's literally a science. When you go out there and play football, you're not thinking about that. You're thinking about, no. okay, how can I escape this tackle, create leverage with my body to outrun this guy? I want to see what you're doing on the field. And I love when you're seeing uh, Twitter accounts like Recruiting Analytics take these guys 40 times and actually put the GPS time over it to see how fast they're running. And we talked about that with Trey Lance when he put his he wasn't going to run and he put his GPS time in there. I think that's brilliant because when it comes to being in battle, Lou, I want to know what you're like in battle, not when you're doing the training. Yep, like watch I, when the you're, tape. It, when you're in the face of fire, I want to know how fast you can run. I don't care when you're in your skivvies, no pads on, no helmet, nobody's around you. That's a once-in-a-lifetime experience. To me, it's all about what can you do on the film, what can you do on the field when it comes to game day. 100%. You know, I think too many people read into the pre-draft evaluation process when it comes to the numbers. And, you know, I kind of like that the fabrication is kind of going through the the ringer right now during the pro days because it kind of forces teams to use the tape more and, you know, have a more honest evaluation. I think this year you're going to see less guys get overpicked because of speed, like a John Ross who breaks the 40-time record and therefore Cincinnati takes them in, what, the top 15. So, it might be a blessing to these teams that they can't really look too deep into these pro days and the the scouting combine that did not happen, but it's uh, interesting to get into. And yeah, there's a lot of four threes being handed out this year, like candy. So <laughs> thought I got, yeah, not into even, that I mean, you. all the measurements have yeah. just been crazy, but that's what it's going to come down to. What teams now have done the most homework on these guys, because this is probably the biggest question mark on when it comes to scouting because there's no combine. A lot of these guys never even got face-to-face interviews with these teams. It's going to be who has put in the most time behind the scenes really figuring out this mess of what this entire scouting process was. And I'm excited because there's going to come probably day two when you're hearing guys that you're like, okay, why, why was he picked? And then you start to realize how much time a team put into scouting that guy. And, Seattle does it all the time. I mean, they overdraft guys all the time. But when they put their time and effort in, they believe he's the guy to pick for their system. And sometimes it works out and other times it doesn't. But when it comes to the Eagles, I fully believe that if Howie doesn't get it right now, Lou, in the next two years, 
like we got to be looking forward to to other things because you can't look at four first round picks in two years and expect bad results to come with it. Yep, it's a big, big final month here of the draft process for Howie Roseman and the Philadelphia Eagles, and we're going to cover it five times a week right here on your daily Philadelphia Eagles podcast, Locked on Eagles. We've got one more show tomorrow this week, but be sure to subscribe to the podcast on any platform, and we're always talking birds on Twitter. After the show, hit us up at LockdownBirds, at DBASILOE, at GC24 underscore football for my co-host Gino Camilleri I'm Lou DiBiase signing off as always thank you for downloading thank you for listening and let's go birds fly eagles fly